podcast ain't played nobody. We're going to do a little time out of mind here. Uh, so our first segment, the playoff rankings just came out, and then we're going to kick it back to ourselves from a pre-playoff segment moment. Bill and I are looking at this for the first time. It's Halloween evening. Um, I've been trick-or-treating with kids. You've been trick-or-treating with kids. We are processing this stuff in real time, so I'm just going to jump into it. Um, you are literally looking at this, what, for the first time? Okay, um, I'm going to pull it up right here. We've had some technical issues this evening over at SB Nation, so I'm just going to go straight to the ranking site. Okay, um, I guess I'll just do the 25 real fast. Uh, 25, Washington State, they're 7-2. and two. 24, Michigan State, 6-2. and two. 23, Memphis, 7-1. 22, Arizona, 6-2. and two. 21, Stanford, 6-2. and two. 20, North Carolina State, 6-2. and two. Uh, LSU, 6-2, they're at 19. UCF at 18, they're undefeated. Um, that's interesting. 18 is a little lower. Uh, than I... Basically, this is the AP poll, except you bumped the mid-majors down a bit. Yeah. Um, 7-2, and two, Southern California, and I'm looking at some of this for the first time, so that's my, my initial reaction. Is like, that's just... You're really crippling the, the what's left of a very feeble concept that yep. the G5 can ever compete for this. Yep. Uh, Southern Cal, 7-2 and two at 17. Mississippi State, 6-2, six 16. Iowa State, 6-2, 15. Auburn, 6-2, 14. Um, and then we get into our one loss and undefeated teams exclusively. Virginia Tech at 13, Washington at 12, Oklahoma State at 11, Miami at 10, Wisconsin 9, TCU 8, Penn State 7, Ohio State 6, Oklahoma 5, Clemson 4, Notre Dame 3, Alabama 2, Georgia 1. Uh, interested to see Alabama ahead of Notre Dame, even with the loss. Um, interested to see Clemson that high, although they've they've got a resume. We just haven't talked about it as much. Um, yeah, from a pure resume perspective, I kind of assumed Clemson would be either fourth or fifth. I was curious what they would do with Oklahoma and Ohio State. Apparently, Baker Mayfield's politicking uh, paid off. Uh, and, and OU got bumped ahead. Yeah. Ohio State has been a be- the better team overall this year, but I mean, this is strength the record and head to head and yada yada yada. So Oklahoma gets the nod. Looking at eleven, I mean eleven Oklahoma State, eight TCU, five Oklahoma. Big Twelve has a better chance than a lot of people thought. Well, this is basically. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was kind of just being sarcastic when I said, but I'm looking at the AP and the playoff rankings next to each other. It really almost literally is take the AP, bump the mid-majors down a bit. So Memphis, instead of being 22nd, is 23rd. UCF, instead of being 15th, is 18th. Uh, and then basically then you go up. Let's see. TCU is two spots higher in the playoff rankings. Wisconsin is five spots lower. Um, which doesn't matter because if they get to the finish line, they'll have beaten Michigan, which I guess doesn't count as beating yeah, a ranked team, but they'll beat Ohio State. Uh, and Michigan will probably be ranked again, so they'll be all right. Um, Penn State is the same. Ohio State is three spots lower, probably because they wanted to get OU ahead of them. Clemson is two spots higher, which because of strength of schedule is fine. Notre Dame is two spots higher, which we expected. Uh, and, and, I mean, we basically predicted Georgia-Alabama 1-2 the other day. So not a lot of surprises here. It's still – it's really annoying about the G5 thing, but, it, I mean, it's not going to change now. Alabama's schedule to this point, their resume win is – well, if this is with the S&P Plus, their resume win would be those Fresno State Bulldogs. Um, Scheduling intent. Yep. Remember that term? Scheduling uh, intent is going to be a discussion point in the this week and the coming weeks because we've been applauding the playoff committee's aggressive 
message to schools that you need to schedule as well as, as good as possible. All right. But, but two lost teams uh, haven't really threatened all that much uh, to make the playoffs. So we're, we're, we're sending that message, but you better not lose because otherwise you're not going to get any, any credit. I mean, it. if you really want to put on the tinfoil hat, what they're doing is rewarding teams for signing really big, expensive, flashy, neutral site games with big corporate sponsors <laughs> that ESPN has a hand in both. Um, because to reward Alabama undefeated and as dominant as they may be right now, when you're looking at – we're not supposed to look at the losses. They don't have any, right? But to put them ahead of Notre Dame is – I don't know. It's interesting to me. I mean I, – Quality you, has to – I'm you know me. I mean, I'm, it's how you play. What is, I mean, what play, is their so. best win? I don't care what their best win is. They've been one of the two or three best teams in the country, so they're second, and that's fine. Their best win is whatever, Colorado State or Fresno State or – a&M or whatever, by the way, they have LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn down the stretch. So if they finish undefeated, they've got the, you know, they, they've got basically the three best non-Georgia right. SEC teams remaining on the schedule. So they'll, they'll get their test. They'll be fine. Uh, but I still, they have been the, either the best or second best team in the country. So I have no problem with them being there. That's, what, that's how we adjust for opponents. That's all these things that I always talk about. Um, basing it solely on who you've played and who you've beaten and who you've lost who drives me crazy. Well, there's a lot to be driven crazy about, but that's by design. There's a lot to be driven crazy about in any week one or initial playoff ranking. That's just kind of how it goes. Um, good for Clemson, I guess. Um, they come off yeah, looking I mean, well. Um, they haven't been, yeah, they haven't been one of the four best teams in the country so far. But a, we we assume they'll they'll figure it all out now. And b, they did. They played Auburn right out of the gates. They've already beaten. What was supposed to be a good Louisville is Louisville's not Florida State, but they're not great, obviously. Um, they, they've taken on comers. They've won. They beat, you know, Virginia Tech. They beat number 13 Virginia Tech at, in Blacksburg. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, that I was prepared for that. I don't think they've been one of the three or four best teams in the country, but I knew they were going to be up there because they have the resume. Pac-12 comes in at 12 and 17. Yeah. Yeah, Washington hasn't played anybody, uh, and we knew they'd fall. They have a pretty bad loss with Arizona State, and USC has two losses. So um, they kind of screwed themselves this year by, by with USC losing twice, Stanford already used, losing twice. Arizona, though, they got Arizona at 22nd. Hmm. Going to be interesting to see how far Washington, Washington State, can possibly climb. Well, let's see. So they get – who does Washington have left? They got Stanford left, so that's a right. They got Stanford, they got Stanford Washington. Oregon, and Wazoo as, as – in terms of resume build, yeah. um, it's good. That's not great. And it may not be enough. I mean, Washington may be in a situation now where they lose by six on the road. It's not a good loss, but I mean, Oh, Utah's in there as well. So Oregon, Stanford, Utah, and Washington state, uh, provided they went out and then what beat USC. Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, or, or Arizona. Um, they better hope it's but, USC. Yeah, look, though, these, a lot of these teams are going to lose. That's the thing we always have to keep yeah. in mind. Georgia and Alabama aren't going to both finish undefeated. Notre Dame still has Wake Forest, Miami, uh, Stanford. Clemson still has well, what's left of Florida State, but they'll have at least they'll have NC State and they'll have Miami or Virginia Tech. Oklahoma has to play Oklahoma State and TCU. Ohio, well, Ohio State has to play Wisconsin, I guess. So there's still a lot of movement yep. coming. And so they are clearly not in great shape right now, and they kind of had to figure they knew that that was going to be the case when they lost to Arizona State, uh, when they when their non conference schedule ended up playing out like it did. 
but um, they're technically far from out of it right now. I mean, what was Ohio State this time three years ago, right? Like, pretty um, Your chaos moment is this, and then uh, unless you have anything else to add, we can kind of leave it here. Uh, Georgia's at one, Notre Dame's at three. Alabama and Georgia will almost certainly play each other now in Atlanta. If they both enter that game undefeated, I would say that's highly likely. You think fair to say? I mean, Auburn pending on both, right? Right. I mean, Auburn, te- Alabama still has to play 19 LSU, 16 Mississippi State, and 14 Auburn. So they've got work to do. Georgia has Auburn, obviously, and Georgia Tech, yep. technically. So, um, so with, okay, Auburn notwithstanding and a, and a deeper schedule for, for Alabama. But if an undefeated Alabama beats an undefeated Georgia and Notre Dame wins out, uh, good luck with that. I think I mean Alabama's number one. I think no, no, no. The, I'm, I'm thinking more along the lines of the final poll of having an undefeated Alabama as number one. Um, would Georgia fall out? Oh, Georgia versus yeah. Notre Dame. Got it. Got it. And then I mean, I, it, let's just say in that scenario, it's not really that hard to play out from there. Let's just right off the top say Clemson and I mean you'll, you'll have Clemson maybe finishing with one loss and then a one loss uh, Big Ten chance. I mean potentially undefeated Wisconsin like. That debate around one lost Georgia and one lost Notre Dame could be pretty brutal. Could be, <laughs> could be the, could be, could be an argument that makes Baylor TCU look pedestrian by comparison. <laughs> and so it's again I mean, Notre Dame involved, extremely yeah. early. Uh, yeah, so, it's extremely early, um, and yeah. Notre Dame doesn't have quite the schedule left the way some of these other schools do. But it is something to look at. Still got tricky ones. Stanford, and, but. And, and then the last thing we, you know, we've been hearing this all week. Everybody's been preaching this, but three years ago, the top four at this point were Mississippi State, Florida State, Auburn, and Ole Miss. The eventual national champion, Ohio State, was sixteenth. Sixteenth, by the way, is uh, six and two Mississippi State. Hey, there you go. See, congrats in advance to uh, Mississippi State. Uh, but yes, things will happen, and um, that, that's really all I can say. I got really super annoyed with a couple of the things they did last year, and I had a nice little self-righteous rant about it. Uh, I, I don't really like these rankings, but I expected them, and whatever. Now we get to watch a bunch of teams lose. All right, this is a podcast that ain't played nobody. Time Hop Edition. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38Godfrey. That is the robot Bill Connolly. He is the inventor of the S&P Plus analytics system. He is the author of multiple books, and now he and I will jump into a time machine. Are you ready, Bill? Let's do it. Bill, we're in the past. That's right. Get out of the time machine. Look around. It is no longer Wednesday. We're in the past. Do you think that we should, um, like, kill Hitler or stop 9-11 or maybe just tell Nebraska not to go to the Big Ten? <laughs> tell Nebraska to make a good hire. I don't even know how far back in the past we are. Probably just Tuesday, but theoretically, we could go back and say, hey, Nebraska, don't do it. Well, I'm getting asked questions on Twitter about 1990 Georgia Tech, Colorado, so maybe we're in 1990. Oh, wow. Then, I, then I'm just going to stop the podcast, seek myself out, and have a very long, informative discussion. Is that okay with you? I'm just going to go now. I'm going to listen to Whitney Houston, I'm Your Baby Tonight. I want to say that the first compact disc I bought was the song from The Bodyguard. I, I think it was for a was... girl. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I probably listened I, to I was mad. I was always mad at Whitney Houston because that song broke End of the Road's uh, consecutive weeks at number one record. You were like, was, a, you're was, like a boys to men homer. I, I was hardcore boys to men, so screw Whitney Houston for that. Although since then, my feelings have lightened on her. 
you know, tremendously. Yet again, though, I would like to point out that Nebraska probably should have stayed in the, stay in the Big 12. Think, think about if we could just go back on that one loop. We have a lot of modern <sighs> today things to talk about, but... Make a good hire. You know, we could have fixed a lot of problems. Think about all the schools in the AAC that wouldn't have had to spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars on presentations <laughs> to okay, not well, that, get in. That I will buy. To not get that in. I will buy. But I, I still can't. I mean, they, they had fallen. They, they were no longer Nebraska 10 years before they left the Big 12. They make a good hire and not Mike Riley. They might be doing just fine right now. So I can't. I can't subscribe to that all the way. But if we're talking about saving AAC schools money, absolutely. Okay. All right. We're, we're, it's Tuesday now. Um, you know more than we do as we record this, although that may be the case for a lot of you. I like, I, I know that there are like people in athletic departments and statisticians and stuff and like your quant buddies that listen. And now I'm like, ah, man, that stupid really shines through. Not like full cast level stupid, but you know, more of just an uninformed air, at least on my part. Um, we kind of have to play to the hits this week because there's a lot of hits. It's like the, <laughs> this is like the summer box office season for our sport is right about now because you have a combination of the playoff stuff, which we've already covered. Uh, we did a great job. And two, yeah. fires. Lots of fires. Um, we'll have to start with Florida. I mean, as much as this show demands that we discuss the ongoing search for replacements at Oregon State and Georgia Southern. This Florida thing, uh, that was an efficient firing, Bill. They did, <laughs> they did not F around. Uh, and you know what? I give everybody credit. It, there was no malaise. There was no no need for the lame duck period. Um, it was as sharp and um, quick a response to an obvious program decline. Really kind of before it happened. They kind of cut that limb off before it was technically gangrene. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they he's not even th- uh, three full years on the job, and he won his division the first two years. It's kind of hard to – it's hard to – it's hard to create. We'll say it's hard to create justifiable circumstances for that. But Florida came about as close as you could come, I think, especially when uh, Strickland kind of acknowledged that this wasn't just on the field stuff that was going on. There was some just weirdness um, with the you know with everything Jim McElwain had said the week before and everything else. But I do think this I believe is a, the word you're looking for is claimed, right? To to have death, yeah, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, Usually, if you're if you're a public employee and also a public figure, and you claim to have received death threats, you need to provide some sort of evidence, right? And um, so, a, kind of a simple thing that way. I, I will say this: this goes, th- this further suggests that the Florida job will make you crazy. Well, this is the worst thing I can say about the Florida job. Because I'll back up one step. People are saying, "Hey, is so and so a candidate? Is so and so a candidate?" Yes, everyone is a candidate with the exception of, of like, uh, maybe a retired coach in their 70s or Saban or Bill Belichick. Everyone else is a candidate to coach in Florida. That is, yes. And if Florida State opens, I'm going to say the same thing and maybe even a little bit extra because we've been debating internally at SB Nation about those two jobs a lot lately. Um, this is a job that the worst thing you can say about it is it has a really, really fickle fan base. Yes. That's the worst thing you can say about this job. And we know, this, we know this for a fact because all Florida grads work for SB Nation. Because they were, I was about to say, I can't get the stink of fickle Florida grad off of me, at least in the professional environment. Um, top five or four job in the SEC. Um, you're in the East. You are in Florida to recruit. You have millions of dollars. 
I know a lot of people are making a lot of hay, and rightfully so. Andy Staples, who's, uh, who went to Florida, played for Florida, knows a lot about Florida, wrote about the facilities, decisions that were made. I will say this. Bloom is sort of off the rose with Jeremy Foley in hindsight. Um, all, um, although someone was trying to make a joke that like he hired four coaches, only one worked out. Well, the one that worked out won you two national right. titles and also kind of helped revolutionize modern college football's offense. So if you're a 250 hitter as an athletic director, high cover, uh, hiring college football coaches, you're, that's those are Hall of Fame numbers well, as, because it's really, really hard. Well, yeah, and as somebody pointed out, I mean, he's Adam Dunn at least. That, that you know, If you're going to go one for four, you're not going to have a job any longer unless that one is a home run. I, I always talk about, like, I mean, it's crapshoot, crapshoot, crapshoot when we're talking about um, hiring, and that's why that's why you should go out of your way to make sure – when you're firing a coach, make sure there's not a way to save the situation because you're just rolling the dice. But, um, you know, Foley. Adam Dunn was a he was Cincinnati Red. Uh, among, yeah, for the most part. Uh, he, he probably played for like eight other schools at the end of his career or schools, teams at the end of his career. But well, uh, what I was going to say is that's not a home run. That thing's in the Ohio River, because if not for a bizarre set of circumstances involving Myers health, he's still at Florida and he's still contending slash winning national championships. I would I would say also that that was an absolute no brainer. That was not a uh, you know, what's a better what's a good example like Mac Brown going uh, like. Mac Brown had done some pretty interesting things at North, at North Carolina, but you're know, hiring him at Texas. There was a little bit of risk there. There's a little bit of risk of Oklahoma hiring Bob Stoops. Urban Meyer had just killed at two different programs, and like it seemed like the the, the easiest hire in the world. So I mean, he gets credit for it. Maybe you know, no creativity points there, but he gets credit for it. Uh, it is a job that can. Maybe drive you crazy. The expectation is absolutely through the roof because of Meyer, because of Spurrier before that, because of the IQ of um, football fans in Florida. They understand that you should you sh- basically you start the card game with the deck stacked in your favor. Um, the problem is Florida fans just you're not going to get a lot of passion. You're not going to get a lot of vocal support. Um, they sort of begin with you kind of arms folded um, because Meyer is out there. I don't. We talk about the Saban effect at LSU ad nauseum. We don't necessarily talk about the Meyer effect with, you know, taking time off and then going to another powerhouse school, building them, re, retooling them the same way, you know, that he retooled your program and then winning a national championship, contending this year for another one. So, um, it's it, look. That being said. If that's the worst thing that you can say about a about a job like this, it's still one of the best jobs in the country, and it still is one of the best jobs in the country. It's a brand that it's a brand that travels coast to coast in recruiting. If you need it to, it's a brand that wins in living rooms. If you're doing it right, um, I think that you know we'll ask Bud this. We're probably overdue for a Budcast, but um, I think that this is just a. There's some recruiting elements to this, administrative elements to this. I don't think McIlwain... Look, McIlwain was never a good fit. They kind of had to fire Muschamp because of the culture and expectation, and they sort of never really had another Florida head coach anywhere in their sights. When things didn't work out with Hugh Freeze and he stayed at Ole Miss, McIlwain was a good coach with a good saving pedigree and will probably be a good coach at a good program, not a great program like Florida that's high exposure and flashy. I don't know necessarily that there was ever a candidate that was going to work for them at that time. Yeah. I mean, on paper, it made it, it made a decent amount of sense. He had, he had done good things at Colorado state in a short amount of time. And he had the, you know, four years of Saban on him, not necessarily the, um, 
you know, the, the, the Kirby smart level of stable on him, Saban on him, but he had enough. And, and so it, it did kind of make sense on paper to a certain degree, but yeah, once you actually see the, once you actually see the fit, like I experience it and watch him, uh, over time, it does start to get a little curious. Um, you know, the, it didn't seem like nearly the fit, even, even before the, the losses piled up this year, obviously fans weren't yeah. amazingly happy, but they were winning their division. They were putting top 30 product on the field, which at the, after the end of the must champ era is a, 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 some sort of stable step there. Um, but yeah, it just seemed weird. It just seemed like an odd fit. He needs to go to like Oregon state, um, or hell Nebraska. Sure. Um, or, or just somewhere else where he can probably, well, I, I think he would do, I think he would do great in Nebraska. I really do. I mean, I don't think that, that I don't think that's a, a joke. I, 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 know, I know you're not joking, but Twitter is taking that as a joke. I, look, he just wasn't a Florida guy. He never was. Literally not a Florida guy in that he did not hail from Florida and then also sort of, you know, metaphorically not a Florida guy in the kind of weird outsized confidence that Meyer and Spurrier share. And then also, look, the offense just statistically on average was not the offense that Florida demands. It wasn't a bad offense. Purely, uh, it, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I was trying. To, I'm trying to be not. I'm trying to get the. Hey, Will I'm Greer, trying to get him. Uh, you can, if you're trying right? to be nice and put a spin on it, say if Will Greer isn't yeah. stupid, then they have a pretty good offense right now. They came out and played great that that half of that season. Uh, remember, Ole Miss was a playoff contender. They thumped them. Yeah, and that was. Um, I mean, that was his good game. He had like one and a half good games, but it was still a very. He was a redshirt freshman, and and he was maybe going to put something together beyond that. Bill, are you not going to help Jim McElwain get a job? Or you know, I, I'm trying to tamper. I'm trying to temper the the expectations here. I want him to get a good job, so I don't want to sell him too much. And I will say too, if expectations and and you know the fan base in any way got to him at Florida, he doesn't need to go to Nebraska. Uh, he needs to go to an Oregon State type of school. Um, yes, but I mean, yeah, it, it was, he, he it, there were some missed opportunities. There was some bad luck and this year it kind of 38 different things went wrong. Scariest job. The scariest two jobs in the country right now are Tennessee and Nebraska because they won national titles in the 1990s and they don't understand what they are in 2017. Every other job opening, if I'm a coach is, is kind of more appealing for different reasons. Like if I'm a coach and I just want to make like a really good living and compete in a power five conference, there is something to be said about a place like Oregon state. I mean, I'm serious. Like it's, there's something about Nebraska and Tennessee specifically where they don't understand what they are in 2017. And that's a terrible, terrible thing for a coach, especially maybe more so in Tennessee's case now, because they've just driven themselves. I, I feel like every program in the sec has driven themselves insane in the post post Saban Alabama era these last 10 years none more so than than maybe Tennessee and Florida yeah, Georgia um, just in different ways right, Georgia was right there too um, except they might have uh, I mean Georgia them. did the craziest thing in the world which is they kind of sawed off a functional limb right. um, and by the way this is my spooky Halloween theme <laughs> as I talk about gangrene and cutting off your own hands and stuff like that now to to this point right now Early November of 2017, it looks like it was a good move, but we'll see. You know, Georgia's Georgia was six and zero, seven and zero, eight and zero at, at times under Mark Rick. Let's, let's, you know, I'm not ready to anoint him king yet, but um, <laughs> well, he hasn't. Unlike Rick, the last couple of times he had a good team, he, uh, Kirby hasn't lost 17 different receivers to injuries, so that's a good sign. I think they might be uh, they, they might be pointed uh, it, it, towards a really really good year this year. But yeah, I mean, if he succeeds, then everybody else goes doubly insane, and I don't even know what that means for Tennessee. They really should just try to. 
I, I am partially because I'm a fan of a team in their division and I don't think this will work. Um, I'm all for them finally getting their big fish and getting this Gruden thing out of their system uh, because it would be super entertaining. It would cost them $10 million a year to, for a guy who hasn't coached in almost a decade, hasn't coached in college in almost three decades. And he does have the power of personality that they need to get everything in line. That's what we've talked about on this show before with Saban, how Alabama is as crazy as anybody, but he got everybody pointed in the same direction because he's Saban. Gruden would do that. You think Gruden would do that? He would do it until he doesn't win enough. But for at least a couple of years, we would have like a a united fan base and a less crazy environment. And then then everybody realizes, wait, John Gruden can't really coach anymore. And he hates the RPO and he hates anything modern. He never really related good well to young players but hey tennessee don't let that stop you just do it wow i like it you're just outwardly you're just outwardly vocal about sabotaging a division rival (laughs) i like it um this is so i don't do you want to take this as a news update or not you want to take this to your your local message board or not that's fine so these are the jobs i'm hearing about have potential to open and this is just in one league so florida's open and ole miss is open that's two out of 14 we still have to discuss Texas A&M, Arkansas, Tennessee. Now, that alone right there, if you had five open, that's a crazy-ass year, all right? Combine that with the fact that one of the two strongest candidates for the job, and when I say strongest, I mean the ones that, I, that from what I'm hearing, that the administration has a, an initial natural interest in at Florida. One of those two candidates, one is Scott Frost at UCF, the other is Dan Mullen, uh, the former offensive coordinator under Meyer at Florida at Mississippi State. So that's another job that could potentially open in the SEC. This would be a bloodbath of a year. Now, I have not discussed Auburn. Because yeah. in logical terms, well, in logical terms, Auburn doesn't exist. But <laughs> Auburn, we've said this, we, we've been saying this for weeks. And I talk to Auburn fans that I'm friends with or know or professional colleagues, whatever. Like, they're about to lose two games. They're probably going to lose them bad, right? Uh, I don't know about bad. They'll probably lose one bad and they'll probably lose one really close. Let's put it that way. They're good. They, Auburn's going to truck them. I think Georgia's going to truck them, and well, I think I mean, they're Georgia trucks Alabama will probably truck them. I just think they, I think they're a good team, and I think they'll have a chance in at least one of those games. Well, they get Bam at home in the Iron Bowl, so that, that makes me kind of think of that game a little different. But if they lose one of those games by a large margin, um, the Saban effect I, I think could take over. Now, keep in mind they are in the sights of the FBI right now with the basketball stuff in a way that no other football <laughs> dominant school is. And that matters because people before the FBI stuff wanted to get rid of Jay Jacobs, the athletic director. Jay Jacobs is very much tied to Gus Malzahn. There's an interest in him making a change there. Um, A&M, self-explanatory, we talked about it for a while. Arkansas, this is not a change that anybody really expected early on. The buyout is not $12 million, uh, for Bielema and, you know, I think both sides are starting to understand that they don't particularly see the same future together and want the same things. So it would be more amicable than I think people think. Um, and then, by the way, you have Ole Miss who fired their coach in August. Right, yeah. That, that and this, nothing, no one's hurt more by this stuff in the SEC, I think, than Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, actually. Florida, Florida, having, like, Florida having an opening is not in the same caliber. It's a completely different kind of job. I know there's some irony here because the last time Florida had an opening, they tried to hire Ole Miss's coach and they couldn't, which is a super weird circumstance that I guess Florida's probably very thankful for now. But 
that's not like that doesn't hurt you. I think Tennessee hurts you. Arkansas hurts you. And maybe to a lesser degree, Texas A&M does. The only team that is hurt worse than Ole Miss out of all this, or as much as Ole Miss, is is a three and nine Missouri team, or or a team a Missouri team that loses its last four here or three out of four, uh, and in normal circumstances would absolutely you know be thinking hard about firing their coach. But then you look up and seven other conference rivals are. This is the opposite of last year. Bud wrote. I just saw somebody reference this piece that Bud Elliott wrote last week or last year about how it was kind of a slow coaching carousel. And so now's your chance. If you're one of those kind of middle schools, you know, you can get a lot closer to the front of the line during that carousel uh, than you could in other years. Now, granted that that carousel ended up speeding up a decent amount, but this year it's, it's heavy. So this is kind of a, you know, if you, if you're on the fence about firing your coach, you have one more reason not to, Uh, I just really, really, I don't, uh, you know. So if you're in Missouri and you want to fire your coach, yeah. and there's a lot of people in Missouri that want to fire their coach right now. Well, but now it doesn't matter because they have four extremely winnable games left. And so they can be six and six here and not be all that great, but be six and six because everybody. Oh, if they're six and five. six, he's not getting no, no, fired. No, he's not. He's you're not a canned fool. at six and six. No, 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 no. He's not canned at seven and five. He's not canned at six and six. He's not canned at five and seven. But if you, now that you know how weak this schedule is, if you only win one out of the next four games, you probably suck (laughs) and you have to seriously consider it now except you know i don't know what you do if you're four and eight and you're looking at a place where you're like seventh in line within your own conference to make a hire that's a really awkward place so here my my advice to missouri fans or to missouri is to either lose out and leave no doubt or go ahead and win three out of four and, and go to what would probably be like the liberty bowl or something not that i'm looking for a reason to go to memphis for a weekend but i am so do that no no one should look for a reason to go to memphis for the weekend um yeah so this is bad for those mid-level schools that thought they were going to get you know getting a jump well miss was an extended kind of a weird circumstance anyway with the ncaa but it's going to get bloodier it's going to get worse i think there's other schools i think it's there's more schools on the horizon the the idea that this was ever going to be a slow season always felt weird to me i never understood that I got pushed by other colleagues of ours in the media outside of SB Nation early on in the season, and it wasn't that I was necessarily hearing something different. It was really just logic. I mean, you looked out and saw, first off, you saw you saw angst at the top of every SEC school with the exception of Alabama, who causes the angst, and LSU, who had just made a change, right? right. And that didn't save them from any angst. They're still just as <laughs> pissed off as everybody else is. But you saw, so I, you you see brewing frustration at Auburn, at Florida, at Tennessee, you know, and then Georgia comes out of nowhere, right? And there's no angst there last year because it was his first year. So uh, that's just one conference, okay? I, go and look conference wide. Now I do think there are pockets of stability in the landscape right now. There's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of achievement being spread around a Big Twelve. Like the Big Twelve is kind of calm and in a coaching capacity right now mm-hmm. you have one of the hottest coaches in college football at one of the worst programs there right baylor's in a rebuild first year coach Te- texas and oklahoma both have first year coaches so like things are actually kind of calm I and mean, patterson's going to be talked about as as that's fine by the way i don't say it enough if i was the head coach at tcu that would be it for me i'm good <laughs> for life yeah. for life you can pay me like two five two i mean if i had to i get by on one three all right i would just stay if there forever to, yeah yeah, and I hate Dallas. Could still but... fall apart. Texas Tech could still fall apart. And, yes, and yeah, Kingsbury is. I, 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 that was a that was a name that that I heard, 
and had arguments with different people about and and also just had people talk to me about I, I distinctly remember being on the phone with with two different agents about that job while I was like doing summer yard work and that was one of those deals where that was on the list to open right the only one that I think the one we've been the wrongest about other than Notre Dame is Arizona because Arizona was going to open right it was if it fait accompli for Rich Rod right and he's turned it around say both were extremely tenuous heading into the year look and I'll say this again about Arizona State I don't necessarily think anything has changed with the um the distance between Todd Graham and that administration I think that um I don't think that win over Washington meant much anything to anybody except the players and the coaches crappy thing to say but it's truth well and if they get if they go back to getting stomped now then all that goodwill goes away anyway but um and then you still have UCLA. Yep. Arizona State is going to try and spin, I think, and present itself as a higher caliber job than it's been. Um, I like the idea have, of, of Sublin getting fired and going there. I think that would work out pretty well. Which one? Arizona State. I, I think UCLA or Arizona State he would be great at. Um, so you have just the potential for a ton of jobs to open. Um, there, Like I said, there are some pockets of stability. We haven't even talked about what we think is going to happen at Florida State. Um, because we don't know. Well, he has to, he has to leave, right? I mean, there's no Bud's, unless they figure Bud's assessment of this, and it's yeah, it's been written a lot about a Tomahawk Nation, and it, it, his buyout is so insane that he would just have to fry out. But that's not off but the he table. Might be frying out. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's an insanely bad year there. Not just because he tried to threaten a fan that happens like that actually happens more than people realize. Yeah, that's not. That's like, not a it. camera catches you. That's the, the camera catching you is the rare part. Yelling yelling at a fan as you're walking off the field as a coach is not particularly rare. Um, yeah, he's going to he's gonna have to get rid of. Uh, Bud was estimating like maybe up to like six, six? assistants. Yeah, like that. Some have just kind of packed it in. It's a it's a bad situation, and you, you can recover from it like Notre Dame did last year. But you remember last year uh, where I had to defend Notre Dame being ranked pretty high in my rankings every single week. I don't have to defend that with Florida State because they're in the seventies right now. They have uh, bottomed out, uh, and so. Like, you know, losing losing a bunch of close games to decent teams is one thing. Losing by 32 to Boston College um, is is completely different, and it looked like a team that had packed it in. So he won't get bought out. He could leave. He could yeah. burn out. He could do a lot of things, but he's not going to get bought out, that's for sure. UCLA, uh, weird, weird swing potentially here in the last four games. At Utah, home for Arizona State, at USC, Cal. They are 500 right now. They're 4-4. Four and four. This is potentially an eight and four team, and this is potentially a four and eight team. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So that job, I think, man, there's just a lot of people betting against their own house right now. <laughs> is the is in in terms of boosters and maybe even some administrators I've spoken with. Um, guys like Moore and Graham specifically, I think, are probably past the well, well past the honeymoon phase, and and okay. there, you know, some systemic issues in in. Uh, quiet marriages um, is God. It's, it's so it's hard to even make a joke now because someone's going to extrapolate it the wrong way. But um, I don't know of anything that's going to open the way that Florida opened last week. That was another question I got on Twitter. Is there going to be another thing like that coming up? I I don't think that so. That was too weird. I mean, that that was very unique the way that all came together. We talked about this a little bit on the Sunday recap show. What happened was. 
and I'm actually sort of impressed by Florida and Scott Strickland, and it's more than his decision, and it always is. That's no disrespect to any athletic director. It's just this is how this it's a, it's a groupthink operation at big college football programs. But it was swift. It was smart. Um, I don't know that the death threat thing got him fired, but I do think that they saw a future without them in the picture right. at the top of that league. And they have way too much pride at Florida. This, whatever you think about Tennessee, like Tennessee's waiting it out. They're trying to. They're searching for an overall identity. Florida knows what their identity is, and they know what it's not. And they saw it moving towards the ladder. And so, I, I mean, I give them credit. And also, I kind of give look I, McElwain. Give McElwain a lot of credit. He, you, you, you sort of knew he knew he was fired. Like <laughs> he didn't put up any resistance. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, that does, uh, that about does it. We haven't talked about the Georgia Southern job. We haven't talked about the Oregon State job. Um, is there any other jobs that we should touch on real fast before we shift off? Kansas, maybe. I mean, it's not open yet, obviously, but I, it almost has to. My thing about that is, what are you going to do? Something you have to. I mean, when you, I, I mean, their patience is required, but they took a step, a definitive step forward last year and they have given it all back. They are three and oh, 20. They're going to hire three and 20. They're going to, they're going to hire you freeze. Ooh. They're going to hire you freeze. Well, I mean, Willie Fritz seems like a pretty decent option. Right there. If I'm Willie Fritz, I'm, I'm good, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he basically just took the Kansas of the AAC and he's made them a, a little bit competitive in year year two. So, look, our mascot of this program, Willie Fritz, uh, does not need the pain that Kansas inflicts upon a person. Well, here, why would he go? At this, let me a counterpoint: a good hire, not okay. one, not one who's demonstrably awful. Like, bef- like they hired Turner Gill after a single decent season at Buffalo, where they lucked in to, they had a bunch of turnovers luck on one and won the Mac one time. They hadn't proven he could recruit. Yeah, real fast, we're not. By the way, David Beatty's a fine coach. He's just probably in an, uh, kind of an unwinnable situation and doesn't have the toolkit to get out of it. The well, demonstrably bad coach was not him. Oh Well, hold on. <laughs> All right, never mind. Bill's about to go in on somebody. Uh, well, sort of. Okay, so... Light the pipe. I... For, for When I grade hires, I do always do like a little coaching hire grade things at, thing at the end of the year, which is... It is what it is. But like, there are always like 80 or 90% of hires where I'm like, okay, I at least get it. You know, there, there's something like the, I see the logic here. That's all I need to see. There are always a couple of, of, of hires each year where I just don't see the logic. Turner Gill was pushing it. Charlie Weiss <laughs> was Charlie Weiss. And, and, you know, I still have a pic, like way, way back in my uh, Twitter history. There's a picture of uh, we were at an SB Nation college football meeting. The first like the first college football team meeting for SB Nation. It was like me, Spencer. Was I there? Jason, Bud, and Kevin Lachlan, and that was it. Um, yeah, this, this is, was, so. This is BS before Stephen. Uh, correct. Yes, um, and that was we were out to dinner when we learned that Kansas had hired Florida offensive coordinator Charlie Weiss, uh, and Spencer like cackled so loud it like broke windows across the street. I'm pretty sure, and I got I got a, a fun picture of him reacting to it. Um, that was dumb from the start. David Beatty was not dumb, like dumb in the Charlie Weiss way, but what is, I still believe what I said originally, which was that every single person that endorsed Beatty for the job talked about his recruiting ability. You can't, 
congratulations for being able to recruit as receivers coach at Texas A&M off of Johnny Manziel. That's not recruiting to Lawrence. You can't rec- you can't hire a quote unquote recruiter as his, as your main draw at a school like Kansas. You can't. You have to have a. Oh a, 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 god! A, they're gonna hire you, Freeze. Oh god! But isn't they're gonna isn't he gonna have like a show cause or something? Not necessarily. We don't know yet. I think the fear. Uh, I think a month from now, there's still going to be a fear of him having a show cause. So no, we'll know. Uh, we'll know whether or not he has a show cause within the next. Or we'll know that. I didn't figure we'd know that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Also, the the committee on infractions decision is due kind of any day now. I'll put it that way. Those the, a lot of people are saying, oh, they're not going to do it before the Egg Bowl. They they. Oh, why there's, would, a, there's a date that you have to hit. So. Um. Oh God. Who's going to hired by Kansas? I. I, I do not agree. But back to my yeah, original I, like, I'm not saying like I just realized this in real time. We can leave it in the podcast. <laughs> oh God. This no, is an insider information. This is just one of those things where you can I had a vision. This is a now memory for those of you who are trying to stay abreast on um Stranger Things. Uh, I've yeah, I've not. I'm I'm lost on that one. But the last three hires they made were demonstrably questionable from the start in a way that Willie Fritz would not be. So that, there's my endorsement of yeah, Willie Fritz. Yeah, but if Fritz. you're Willie Fritz, just chill at Tulane for one well, more Well, that's fine, too. I'm not, I'm not saying definitely take it. I'm just saying just because the last three guys have failed doesn't mean he would because the last three guys were shaky from the start. All right, Bill, you're coaching candidate X. Kansas fires David Beatty. I would not take it. I have to give you an uh, – there's a door number two. <laughs> or is this just like, no, I'm out, no. <laughs> No, I'll go be a customer service rep at AT&T, like <laughs> try and upsell you on a new iPhone X11, all right? Is that what you're saying? Like just it's like let's, let's, this, let's, this or – well, I had a – so I had a point here. Matt Campbell leaves Iowa State. Well, Iowa State is open and Kansas is open. Mm-hmm. And you're you, – you can be you or you can be Willie Fritz. You go to Iowa State every time, right? Uh, a long pause for you well, to answer a question. So, I mean, you're so emphatic about not going to Kansas. I probably I was emphatic about not going to Kansas because I'm living in Columbia, Missouri. Um, I would oh, probably right. be, the, the, Iowa, rivalry. the Iowa State thing. I think is it's not a it's not an absolute slam dunk, or at least the Iowa State of two years ago wouldn't be. If Matt Campbell leaves and you seem to have a a functional program there, then absolutely. But I think what you're getting at is similar stature, similar. Uh, just a similar level of program, which one do you take? Right now, Iowa State is absolutely better. It's just, you know, uh, it, it's, mm, man, I, I'm, I'm trying to cut Kansas some slack and also slam Kansas. It's been a while since time. I broke Bill. It's kind of a, a, a tricky balance right here. But, um, no, I, I, I think Willie Fritz could carve out a niche at Kansas. I don't think he would take it, and he probably shouldn't take it. But yeah, there's just no reason to. Well, the reason is he's getting old and he doesn't, you know, he wants to be getting old, but I also think that he's, I, I think a better job is a year or two away. Possibly. If you, and if he knows that, to, that success is coming down the pike at Tulane, but more than what they're doing this year, which is kind of competitive and then losing, letting it slip and then being competitive again. Um, if he knows that program is going to get better and it's going to be pretty good next year. Yeah. Yeah. Sit it out. But uh, there are a lot of interesting jobs open right now. So you might, he might feel some pressure to make a move now. How are you feeling about uh, Nia Matanolo to Oregon State? 
Do you feel great or do you feel awesome? I am, well, right. I mean, I am all for it. I feel great. If we're talking about it actually happening, I'm just going to assume it doesn't um, because everybody's scared of, of doing that. Like only Georgia Tech has not been scared of doing that. And, and there have been plenty of forces. Uh, well, he doesn't necessarily Georgia have Tech. to run that system. He's but just you, a good coach, right? He can run sure. something else. And defensively, he probably would change some things. But you know, you know he's going to run. Uh, he's been preaching the benefits of that triple option for decades. Well, yeah, because he had to. And it works. That's the other thing. I mean, it works. I want if they hire if they hire him, I want him to run that option because it works. So I just kind of assume it wouldn't. But regardless, I'm all for it and I would endorse it. And I could, uh, you know, spell out a 10 point plan for why it would work. Hands down becomes the biggest pain in the ass division in college football if that happens. Oh, my God. This is what like, a pain uh, in the ass. What a pain in the ass as a yeah, defensive coordinator. Something Brian Harson said when I was out at Boise over the summer, talking about how you know, stature aside, the Mountain West is a fascinating conference because every single team is different from another. There's no like overriding theme. You've got your triple option New Mexico, and you've got your uh, power and power San Diego State, and you've got your all sorts of different things going on uh, to where it's really hard. Like every week is a very unique prep experience. That would be the Pac-12 North at that point. It would be incredible. Not a single team, particularly almost no DNA crossing. Yeah, it'd be great. Really? I'd love it. It'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, no, I'm down for it. All right, Bill. Um, Playoff. Do you want to do questions or do you want to talk about your piece that went up on Tuesday? Let's quickly talk about the um, – again, we are now back on Tuesday. Uh, we do not yet know, even though we talked about it to start the show, we now do not know who uh, what the playoff rankings were. But I wrote out a piece basically saying it doesn't matter because a lot of teams are going to lose. And I, I get to write – basically, I could write the same piece every start of November, and it would work out pretty well. But I did, um, and we can walk through basically the, the odds of who's finishing undefeated and, and the kind of the little pools of teams that I created that are the true contenders right now. All right, let's do it real fast. The, here's the unbeaten P5 team's chances of winning out. These are the percentages that you give us. Number one, Alabama has a 36% chance of winning out. Number two, Georgia has a 34% chance of winning out. Number three, Wisconsin has a 34% chance of winning out. And number four, Miami has a 17% chance of winning out. And then uh, let's talk on those, and then we'll do the one And that's winning out to the conference title game. That does not include the conference title game. Which would explain those numbers for Georgia and Alabama. Right. Basically, you'd have to cut those in half pretty much for both teams. And, you know, Miami with add, add Clemson in there, add Ohio State to Wisconsin schedule. All of those odds go way, way down. Well, this just makes me want to pull for the Canes even more. Seventeen percent chance. Um, uh, the most interesting, even if you include UCF in that bunch, um, uh, with S and P plus odds, that's what all this is based on. Alabama has an eighty-five percent chance of beating LSU. Uh, Georgia has an eighty-nine percent chance of beating South Carolina. Miami has a fifty-six percent chance of beating Virginia Tech. They are right next to each other in the rankings. Wisconsin is at seventy-five percent against Indiana, and UCF is at sixty-nine percent against Chad Morris's SMU. Um, mash all those together and there's only a 22% chance that all five of those teams win. So I was, I was enjoying it. Like after Saturday, um, the Espionation uh, college football Twitter account posted how we're basically a full week or year. Oh, excuse me. Week ahead. Usually after nine weeks, we have 6.4 undefeated teams right now. We're at five. Um, 
to stay a week ahead, we would need to lose at least one. And it's, it seems very likely that we'll lose uh, at least one undefeated team this week. So we really Bill, are. Bill, who's going down this weekend? What's your big prediction there, bud? Uh, with my luck, it'll be UCF, which will count, but nobody would really notice. Um, this is true. I Well, Miami, I, I guess, among the power conference. Obviously, Miami is the most uh, vulnerable at the moment because Virginia Tech's quite good, and Miami needs to probably look like a title team before the last two minutes of a game. Just a little word of advice there for, for Mark Richt and company. Um, but, yeah, the odds are pretty good that somebody goes down and the pool of one-loss teams gets bigger. But basically, you take those undefeated teams. You take UCF. I'll go ahead and count them because there's a chance they're getting compared to like a two-loss power conference team by the end of November. Um, look at all the one-loss teams left. And I think you're basically – there are basically nine teams – currently eligible for the national title. A two-loss team could come into play if a bunch of other if, if a bunch of these teams fall, but right now you're looking at Alabama, Georgia, either Ohio State or Wisconsin, Clemson, Virginia Tech or Miami, probably not more than one of the three. Miami is, is undefeated, but chances are uh, they are not going to make it unless they win out. Penn State uh, in a weird position right now in that they won't have a conference title game. They have a decent path for finishing undefeated, but then they need some other teams to lose so that their 11-1 record gets them in. Uh, Washington, pretty much the Pac-12's only hope at this point. Uh, the winner of the Battle Royal between Oklahoma State, TCU, and Oklahoma, all of whom probably end up with two losses if I had to bet. Notre Dame and, and UCF. Those are your nine, uh, you know, including Ohio State and Wisconsin as one team, including OSU, OU, and TCU as one. You're basically looking at nine little uh, pods or teams there to to uh, consist to, to choose four teams from. Let's do the one-loss P5 teams, P5 teams' chances of winning out. Number one, Ohio State at 52%. Number two, Clemson at 42%. Number three, the Nittany Lions of Penn State at 39%. Number four, your Washington Huskies at 34%. Number five, Oklahoma State at 32%. Number six, TCU at 25%. Number seven, Notre Dame at a meager 18%. Number eight, Virginia Tech. That's a one-loss team. That's got to be the one-loss team we talk about the least. Uh, Virginia Tech at 17%, and then number nine, Oklahoma at 13%. Hello, Bedlam. Yeah. Yeah, OU is at 13% because they still have to play OSU and TCU, whereas OU and or, whereas Oklahoma State and TCU have already played each other. Uh, so, therefore, one of their hurdles is in the past, even though OSU tripped over that hurdle. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. Like I was saying uh, last week, the, the Big 12 right now is, is a glorious, perfect battle royal situation here that probably won't produce a national title contender with that uh, unless we get into the two losses. it's gonna game. be indie rock and i'm so excited because we're gonna spend the next nine months of the offseason talking about how cool it is and how stu- that's gonna be our new aac <laughs> uh how cool it is and how stupid it was to have a title game because inevitably the one loss you know tcu lost to the two losses. whatever that's the instrumental track at the end it doesn't matter you don't have to listen to that okay it's underappreciated vinyl glory. All right. Um, well, not that I would really argue with percentage stats, but uh, there's nothing to really argue against here. Um, Virginia Tech does have one loss. I would like to state that again. That is a fact. <laughs> and, that and is UCF a fact. has zero and is in the top five of my S&P Plus at the moment. Which you should be proud of. Uh, I, think they're, I think they're a really good team. I think they're a really good team. Um, top five makes me nervous, but they're a really good team. The War on I-4, which is the name of that... Awful name for that game, UCF-USF, 
which I think is on Black Friday this year. It was last year. I was with uh, Taggart and those guys. Went and saw that. Uh, by the way, if you watch that game, the trophy is a large wooden base with an interstate road sign uh, as the trophy. Like the same... Bill, what's the interstate that runs near Columbia? Uh, 70. 70, okay. Like Interstate 40 here in Nashville. Okay. I-95 if you're on the East Coast, right? That kind of sign that you see on the interstate, like that road sign, that is what the trophy is. And you can pull it out of the base and then sort of play it like a guitar or swat it around like a uh, maybe a battle axe or a tennis racket. Uh, I saw all of those things happen on the field as USF players really honored and revered the history of that great rivalry, uh, the war on I-4. Um, that game will be really, really fun to watch. Also starting to think that neither one of those coaches are going to be there next year. Such is the curse of those programs. <laughs> all right. By the way, um, Uncle Luke says that if Florida would just hire Lane Kiffin and Randy Shannon, they would have a national whoo! title very quickly. I'm fine with that. I think even our grumpy Florida brethren are fine with that. My Lord, that would be fantastic. I would be interested to see if Lane Kiffin leaves FAU for one of the larger directionals. I'm not saying I've heard that. I'm saying it's very interesting to think about. Because USF is a good, good job. And UCF can be a good, good job. Because just look at the coaches that they springboard out. Right. But I mean, he he waits another year. He probably doesn't even need to. He could, you know, bring in, let's see just how many transfers he brings to FAU this coming season uh, and goes 13 and 0 next year and then leaves. That's my, that's my bet there. FAU is building a very, very beautiful brand new mansion on the water and none of it is to code. It will (laughs) completely implode or set on fire. Probably not by the end Uh, of next year. I'd give him till next year. I just, he's making it. Don't ask, don't ask for documentation or any sort of certification. Um, all right. Uh, the last thing on here, the unbeaten P5 team's chances of finishing with one loss. Yes. Oh, wait, no, we, no, we already did that. Well, one. No, we didn't. No, yeah, basically yeah. I added the odds of, of, of getting to one instead of just staying undefeated. So basically there's a, a 34% chance that Georgia finishes undefeated and a 46% chance they finish at one loss. So 80% there at no more than one loss. Alabama's at 81%. Wisconsin's at 76%. Uh, speaking of teams that don't get talked about, it's kind of their thing. I don't know if you've noticed this, dear PAPN listener, before. We may have mentioned this a couple of times. Miami, 58%. Um, let's do questions. Yes. And then we have an announcement. Yes. Uh, podcast. I have to go to my podcast folder to find the questions. I'll start at the very top. Earlier this morning, uh, our friend Carl Strength, who sends us a lot of good questions, emailed uh, a question to the both of us. Uh, the subject line is, explain Cal. I can't. Um, hello. While procrastinating at work and scrolling through the team stat profiles, I noticed that Tennessee is down to 103. Uh, I then noticed who was in their S&P neighborhood. He was talking about... Arkansas at 99, Middle mm-hmm. Tennessee at 100, Cal mm-hmm. at 101, mm-hmm. North Carolina at 102, Tennessee at 103. Okay. Arkansas wants to fire Brett. Yes. MTSU a little worse than projected, but likely to finish where predicted. Cal. Might make a change. Question there. mark, exclamation, question mark, exclamation, question mark. A terrible at young and injured at UNC team in Tennessee. So why is Cal 101? Is it their completely non-competitive losses to Oregon, Washington, and Colorado? Do those cancel out the Wazoo win and the toss-up-ish uh, against UNC, Ole Miss, uh, USC, and Arizona? 
uh, well, yes, that's that's pretty much why I'm pulling up their stat profile as we speak. Um, Cal, by the way, Cal's four and five because no one listening knows that, and that's okay. <laughs> Cal's four and five, but they're one and five in league play. So basically, so here's here's. Here's why they are where they are. Here Look, here's why. I, watch. Let, let me okay. do this one. Okay. Let me do this one. You ready? They're one yeah. and five in the Pac-12. Okay, and also they beat North Carolina on Ole Miss on, on late bumps. That's it. Well, okay, sure. Yeah, fine. If you want to answer, does that work? Yeah, basically, yeah. And I mean, the okay. North Carolina win is now a road win over the number one hundred two team, so you don't exactly get a lot of credit for that. But from a win expectancy standpoint. They were 60% against UNC, 64 against Weber State, which doesn't cover you in glory, 46% against Ole Miss, and 40 against USC. So basically, they're like a, a, a three to three and a half win team that kind of won a couple of toss-up games against pretty iffy teams. Meanwhile, they got throttled by Washington, a game that was um, probably worse than the 38-7 to seven final score. They got throttled by Oregon, who has been all of the map themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, losing the way they did to Colorado, where they just came out of the gates and got hammered as well before starting to respond a little bit. They've had, in the last five games, they've had three performances below the 15th percentile. So that's how you fall. That's how you end up pretty far down there. They were lucky early, and now they're just kind of bad. Uh, you know, the Washington State win was out of freaking nowhere. They were great in that game. There's no questioning that. They haven't come mm-hmm. anywhere close to that level otherwise. Hey, by the way, though, there's a chance they can upset maybe let's say so let's say they beat Oregon State and then they beat UCLA like in an upset mm-hmm. and they get to six wins. Massive freaking success of a season. Yeah, six and six with like the number ninety team in the country at that point. <laughs> Massive success to go to go on the road and win at North Carolina, regardless of circumstance. To beat an SEC team at home, regardless of circumstance. It doesn't matter. The context in which we were using to describe California's situation with all the financial crap, the fact that they just sort of fired Sonny Dice because they just kind of hated each other, like <laughs> good loveless marriage. Like, that's all. I mean, it's, whoa, I just had an epiphany. Don't hire a Texas coach if you're a mid-level Pac-12 school. There you go. Because that's the same issue they're having with Todd Graham right now. <laughs> I think the honeymoon for all of that, we got a ton of money and a new network thing is officially over for the Pac-12. This would be a huge success for Cal. Yeah, All you have to do is hold serve against a coachless Oregon State and then uh, go to the Rose Bowl and beat UCLA. Oregon State has been better, by the way, so that isn't a, a gimme right there. But no, they did look good uh, last week. Um, you're not going to beat Stanford, though, sorry. <laughs> um, let's see. Next question. Okay, we'll go with this one. So uh, I think it was last week or the week before you, you mentioned, um, just kind of casually mentioned a bunch of like per- – you, you you casually questioned whether a lot of the people who say they're Purdue fans to us are actually Purdue fans, I believe. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. So we got a little pushback on Twitter for that one. Uh, and I got a, we got an email from our friend Jeffrey Tanner. Uh, subject line, I am an actual Purdue fan slash alum, PAPN listener. <laughs> Uh, granted, proud of you. Granted, I only found the podcast this season, but boiler up, Godfrey. He he he, he addressed this to you, but only sent the email to me. But uh, regardless, boiler up. Listening to this week's. By the way, I love that. I love that system. Just send your emails to Bill. Yeah, I, you know, not a fan. Uh, listening to this week's notes on the SEC versus Big Ten tailgating. Okay, this was last week. Uh, you are not wrong. They are different. Students tend to do the getting trash slash not making it into the into Ross Aid at Breakfast Club bars in costume. What? I, okay, I, didn't. I understood very okay. few. Um, 
Tailgating is mainly an alumni activity. We'll just go with that. There is the typical food and booze and cornhole, but yes, it's much chiller. Um, also, okay. it gets cold enough late October on the idea of that the idea of being outside all day becomes less attractive, especially with earlier kickoffs. And it's a freaking men to that. Um, this also trend. Oh, this also trends the food towards easier grilling stuff. Yes, early, early kickoffs suck for being com- for getting complicated. Um, I, I will come or you just do it all after the game and then stay until about eight. Most people, if you're going to go to the effort of setting up the tent and doing the direct TV dish and you have an 11 a.m. kickoff, just cook. Then, then you just do like a breakfast thing, go to the game, come back. And if you want to stay tailgating, depending on what your campus culture is like, then, then you do the, the, the higher functioning. The food. tricky part of that is I use the game to get sober. So tailgating after, I mean, as long as you okay. have a ride, that's fine. But yeah, it does get kind of tricky. Anyway, so um, so he's justifying the kind of the iffy tailgating situation because of the early kickoffs. And he also says, my parents are UGA alums, and they are still confused at how I remember details of games and don't wear a shirt with a collar to games. <laughs> he's got a point there. We're all drunk in the South. Yeah. Um, and Do you just, you don't drink during the games? No. Well, I mean, yeah, technically I could sneak something in, but it's not, but I, that's, but you choose not to, I choose not to cause I like to, um, be sober by the time I drive home. That's kind of, a so because I was the, right. I was the big capital J journalist representative for a long time before we hired like Richard and had other people doing other sports at SB nation. And I was, it wasn't just that, but I've always been unable to process games, even with like two or three drinks in that might be a sign of a drinking problem. Probably is, but you know, I'm, I've managed it to this point. Um, so his last, then he has a question at the end real, that we'll address very quickly and then we'll move on. Uh, on the Boilers, uh, thoughts on their two QB system. Has either QB separated himself or does the bullpen system have merit? Uh, it appears to have less merit now. The offense, um, you know, started out the year with 28, 44, and 35 points, scored 31 on Minnesota, then has gone 9, 12, and 24 against Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Nebraska. They're down to 63rd offensively. So, I, I mean... I, the problem for them is that neither quarterback has stood out. So Elijah Sindelar. So basically the situation is this, they have this big burly sophomore named Elijah Sindelar with a big arm. And then they've got the game manager and David Blau who can, you know, who, who does a little better job of taking what's given him. He, he's a little more conservative. Uh, at the end of the day, they are both averaging, including sacks, but they are both averaging 5.6 yards per attempt. Um, Sindelar is the risk taker. Uh, Blau's the game manager. And they do sit, they, they still kind of bounce back and forth at times between them. I think it served a purpose earlier in the year, but at this point, I mean, the, the, I, I don't know. I think at this point it needs to be somebody's job. It was Blau against Nebraska and he was okay. Um, not, not great by any means. Uh, Sindelar got more of the action against Rutgers the week before. So they are kind of a mess right now. I think it's starting to become a detriment, even though I didn't mind it at the beginning of the year. What are your thoughts what on Bill the said. situation? What Bill said. I still, you know, like the meme, the meme became a meme and we just had to write it. But we've n- I've never really wanted to talk this much about him. Way, <laughs> it's way more fun to do it this year. Um, I wish I had gotten around to, now it's kind of dead, but I do wish I had gotten around to the PAP and shirt idea of just having a little uh, uh, sofa pillow on the front of a shirt that just with Purdue embroidered in cursive. I enjoyed that idea. That would have been fun. Um, last question. The and then we'll go to... like, we just have to talk about them now, like a, like a respectable program. I know there's less pity involved, although they're trying to get the pity back apparently with their recent losses. 
Last question. Uh, subject line, border war from our friend Daniel Rader, who I believe has sent us some questions in the past as well. This one's short and sweet. Loved seeing all the hoopla for the four charity basketball game between Mizzou and Kansas this weekend. Any chance this starts a trend for other lost rivalries? I'd love to see OU Nebraska or Pitt West Virginia, even as a spring scrimmage. Spring scrimmage is interesting there. It has to be a spring, uh, spring scrimmage because every schedule is booked up for the next 38 years or whatever. So it's really kind of hard to maneuver uh, otherwise. Uh, all right. Um, I don't think it's impossible. Right. Um, I'm curious about waivers for injury. Um, so is this a scenario in which we know they're not going to play each other for a long, long time, right? I guess, yeah. I mean, I, I can see it. I can see it instead of a spring game. <clears throat> yeah, the spring game, or I, I do think we're kind of starting to, the idea of like a preseason game, uh, number one, most of the time it's brought up with the idea of like it being a, a U versus an FCS team. That way the FCS team gets a little bit of money like before, only you don't have to waste a, one of your 12 games on them. But I, Sell tickets? You'd sell tickets. Um, no, I'm asking, do you, would you sell tickets in this scenario? Because a lot oh, of spring yeah, yeah, games yeah. are free. I, in, in the scenario I have okay. in my head, you would. Um, okay. And you treat it as a preseason game, like a, an NFL preseason game. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, but you sell tickets. It's an extra home game if you want it. FCS gets probably not the same level of revenue, but they get some revenue from it. I've seen it in that scenario, and you could certainly – Man, I I don't know. Like I, it's perfect for basketball because we're starting to see these little right. secret scrimmages with basketball things, yeah. anyway. And so you kind of yeah. open that window a little bit. You make money for charity. Eventually, you get it on TV. <laughs> like it's great for basketball. Football's a lot trickier, I think. Here's the deal. I don't see why it wouldn't work uh, if you can get the clauses, all the legal stuff fixed. Um, because the things that jump out at me are injury. Um, but I mean, I guess legally you stand to injure your players as much if you go full contact in a spring right. game. I doubt that it, they would go full contact, which might diminish the value of an FCS team getting to line up against a good FBS team. Um, I like the idea of going FCS, FBS, because while people think like, okay, Georgia and Oklahoma aren't playing each other for a while. Like, you know, it's not on the schedule. It couldn't be on the schedule unless they saw each other in the playoff, right? If you got that, you wouldn't like it. Trust me. <laughs> like in, like on April 17th, those teams would be as as crappy to watch as when – what's the first NFL, the Hall of Fame Bowl? Right. Yeah. Like it would suck as much as that thing. Trust me. Because they're not going to come out and play each other hard. They're not, they're not going to scheme for it. That's the other thing too. They're not going to scheme for it. You want to see an interesting deconstruction of what you understand to be college football. Watch two good teams play each other without a game plan. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a fun exercise for nerds like us, but it wouldn't necessarily be compelling viewing. Yeah, part of the um, um, that Mizzou-Kansas uh, basketball charity game from a couple of weeks ago, they agreed not to play zone. It was only man. That was part of the arrangement, yeah. which was kind of funny. <laughs> that, that kind of stuff is what you – now, <laughs> granted – Occasionally, you actually see this happen in practice with certain bowl games where they put in a plan, barely, but not much of one. And sometimes when you have those, it's it, it, it's going to happen a lot this year. Yeah. It's going to happen even more. They're going to be so busy uh, recruiting, the, they're going to forget they have a game coming up. Yes. So with early signing and then the typical annual bloodbath and displaced coordinators, you're going to see some interesting bowl games. So it'll look <laughs> like they didn't scheme for each other. 
All right, Bill, we got to run through the schedule really quick because we still have announcements. Um, it's been an extra long show, but so this is going to be an abbreviated version. You ready? Let's just jump straight to, okay. So if you're listening to this, you probably know Central Michigan, Western Michigan. They might be playing right now. We have no idea. We're displaced from the time-space continuum. Thursday, Northern Illinois and Toledo, Ball State at Eastern Michigan, Navy at Temple, Idaho at Troy. I'm going to go ahead and just say that Navy's going to get better after or get well after losing two games in a row, and they're going to do that at Temple, and that's the game that you want. That's uh, kind of Temple. Temple's getting a little better, so that could be a little interesting. But by far, the, I think the most the important game here is NIU Toledo because technically Toledo's only lost to Miami, and if UCF messes around and screws up, um, they're still playing for that G5 spot, and they're very Ooh. good. All so right. That's my that's my pick there. Toledo always figures out a way to blow it to NIU. This might be the year they don't, but don't quote me on that. Friday, Friday, Friday. Marshall's at Florida Atlantic on CBS at 5 p.m., Memphis is at Tulsa. It's on 7 p.m. at ESPN2. And then FS1 has UCLA at Utah. Um, I'm going to definitely pick UCLA at Utah because we have talked about the, um, what did I say, swing, 4-8, 8-4 eight, eight UCLA. Um, also, Utah is, like, good but not. Yeah, they're less good than they were before. But um, yeah. So yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, I think uh, you're going to – Memphis and Tulsa would be super fun, though, by the way. Like, that's a, that's a good just have folks over, have it on the background. And Marshall FAU is, it has a lot of CA, CUSA implications. Plus, you get to actually watch FAU's absurdly ridiculous offense a couple hours. Really, you get to watch almost the whole game before UCLA-Utah starts, so you're good. All right, we're going to go fast. Uh, here's the morning block on Saturday. Auburn at A&M, Baylor at Kansas, East Carolina at Houston, Florida at Missouri, Illinois at yeah. Purdue. Oh, okay. Uh, K-State at Texas Tech, Penn State at Michigan State, Western Kentucky is at Vandy, Wisconsin is at Indiana, and let's see, UMass at Mississippi State, Syracuse at Florida State, and then that'll take us all the way to the afternoon. So, uh, my quick pick, uh, not too quick, um, is, is Wisconsin-Indiana a trap game? Indiana has been competitive all year. They just never, they're competitive and then they figure out a way to lose. not winning. And they have not had that game that Tom Allen is very vocal about. Talk to me about, talk to a lot of media about, about like, we got to get that one game against an established conference opponent. Now, this is not Ohio State or Michigan, but it is Wisconsin's a really good team. So Wisconsin messed around last week too. So, I mean, they do that. If they play like they did against Illinois, there is absolutely... Uh, you know, Peisman touchdown aside, there's absolutely a chance Indiana could go. I, mean, I, I need, think the biggest I need game it bad here, for the Jason Kirk chicken bet, too. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, the biggest game here is Penn State, Michigan State. Uh, yeah. Uh, for, you know, for potential conference title purposes, if uh, we end up in some weird tie situation like Michigan State beats Ohio and it all gets weird. Um, but I will, of course, be at Florida, Missouri. I'm very disappointed, by the way, because last Saturday in Columbia, Fine. it was like 35 degrees and windy. And what just you got this thinking, week? thinking about Florida in those circumstances is uh, with the interim coach and everything is a pretty, pretty fun thought. But it's going to be like 60 and and partly cloudy. It's going to be it's going to be semi nice. And that's disappointing. Well, don't worry, because uh, that Doug Nussmeyer offense travels. So you're, you're still getting the same Florida product you've seen all year. <laughs> Two o'clock on that weird FSN thing. Georgia Tech at Virginia. Goal line starts at two. Don't understand why what goal line has against morning games. Probably racist. Army's at Air Force at two thirty. Clemson's at North Carolina State at two thirty. Iowa State's at West Virginia. Golly, that's going to be fun. That's two thirty yeah. on the deuce. 
Maryland is at Rutgers. Don't watch that. Northwestern's at Nebraska. Don't watch that. Ohio State's at Iowa. Um, watch it. It's a very Big Ten. South Carolina's at Georgia. That'd probably be another bloodbath. Um, South South Florida's at UConn at 2.30. Stanford is at Wazoo. That could be fun. 2.30 on Fox. Afternoon shaping up real nice here, Bill. Daylight? Wake Forest at... What's that? Yeah, no, no kidding. Stanford's on during daylight. Wake Forest is at Notre Dame at 2.30. That game's better than you think. Yeah. Arkansas uh, looking to get off. Uh, I don't know. I would say get off the schneid. Technically, they won at Ole Miss, but my God, you had to do a lot to win at Ole Miss. <laughs> um, they're hosting Coastal Carolina. Bedlam's at 3 o'clock on FS1. Ole Miss is at Kentucky. Gross at 3 o'clock. Um, and then Oregon State is at Cal. Also kind of gross, 4 o'clock. Um, that'll take us through the afternoon. Um, a lot of good, a lot of good. Um, don't yeah. trick yourself into watching some of these games, like South, like well, South Carolina, Iowa Georgia. Can... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, no, don't, don't, don't watch South Carolina, Georgia. Keep yeah, tabs it's a CBS on Ohio game, State, and like, Iowa. yeah, exactly. Yeah, flip back to that. It may have a Penn State type of fact. They, Ohio State might have a Penn State type vibe going with with going to Iowa. Yeah, and I was, I mean, I was just good enough. Um, Ohio State still doesn't produce a lot of big plays. That can keep teams close. Like, technically, that could be interesting in the fourth quarter, but it might not be. So don't don't waste your time in the first half. Just keep tabs. Last month, last month Ohio State, this is a game. I think this month, Ohio State. Yeah, they're, they're really good. Um, I, I'm going to pick, uh, man, hell with it. West Virginia and Iowa State. Let's get drunk and burn things. I will be live blogging OU, OSU. I'll be coming straight from the Missouri game to do the live blog kind of OU, OSU. So kind of getting drunk and burning things there, too. Uh, that's yeah. fine. Though, like, those are those are big games. They'll be big and fun and perhaps kind of dumb, and that's all great. Mm-hmm. Clemson, North Carolina State might be the most important game on the schedule here. Um, the hell with important. Let's set stuff on fire. Um, DVR Clemson, then. DVR it. Let's go to the evening. Hello, evening. Um, I failed to mention Utah State is in New Mexico. Oh, sure, Adjust sure, your life yeah. accordingly. Um, Colorado said the battle of the boot. Colorado State and my beloved Wyoming Cowboys at 6 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Nevada's at Boise State. Oh, field goals. Uh, Texas goes to TCU at 6.15. UCF is at SMU. Uh, Michigan, oh, I'm sorry, Michigan hosts Minnesota at 6.30 on Fox. Southern Miss is at Tennessee. God. Poke it with a stick. Uh, UTEP's at Middle Tennessee. Same. Uh, LSU's at Alabama. I don't know about that one. Virginia Tech is at Miami. I'm just going to run through the evening before the drunk hour. Uh, we're, we're at 7 o'clock, by the way. LSU's at Alabama. CBS doubleheader, first of the year. VTech's at Miami. Um, Colorado goes to Arizona State. Tricky, tricky defensive Arizona State. It is a thing well, on the Pac-12 Defensive Network Arizona State that gave up 40-plus last week, so we'll see. They might, be, they might be tapped out, but we'll see. Look, just because I paid attention to the Washington game and I didn't check the scores last week, don't give me crap about it. Oregon's at Washington at 9 o'clock on FS1. Stupid conference. San Diego State. Uh, oh, wait. Uh, let's just do the drunk. San Diego State's <laughs> at San Jose State on ESPNU at 9.30. Arizona's at USC. And BYU's at Fresno, both at 9.45 Central. Your drunk is Oregon-Washington. 
It's going to be fun. Arizona, Khalil Tate is, I think, drunk college football, though. Um, as as yeah, Spencer was saying during the third, I think it was the third quarter of the Washington State game last week, this game, the breaks are off. Uh, and and, mm-hmm. and just cra- the crazy was just flowing too fast to keep up with. So Arizona, by the way, if Khalil Tate gets going and they upset USC, they are now your Pac-12 South favorites. Yeah. Arizona. I called that. I did not. Uh, Texas at TCU, kind of a same. Texas fans are really starting to hate letting TCU in the conference. Um, <laughs> like a lot, a lot. Um, UCF SMU will be very, I assume UCF will handle its business, but this is probably the biggest test they've had so far. would like to remind everyone that while this is not the same LSU team with the senior laden defense and the better offensive line, it was a 10-point game last year in Baton Rouge. And Matt Canada beat Clemson last year. Okay. Alabama by 17. <laughs> uh, but I think, I mean, the most, the most, uh, the high, uh, most high potential here in terms of the 6 or 7 o'clock games, in terms of both quality and wackiness, I, Virginia Tech-Miami is going to be really fun, I think. Um, now, now, I say that with a certain amount of uh, measured tone because Miami games aren't really fun. They're just close, but I, th- I I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful that this is going to be a really nice game. I think my pick uh, in the, my pick on the drunk is still Oregon, Washington flip over and check out because you'll probably get the Tate highlights over. They'll probably give you the Tate highlights in interspersed with that. And then, but for once Arizona is not playing on PAC 12 network. That's nice. Um, and then my evening pick um, it's probably I'm probably gonna end up watching LSU at Alabama, um, but Virginia Tech at Miami is going to be I think a more relevant game for the playoff. How's that? Okay, and then the most important game of the week. Um, oh God, I, I don't care if you know what's coming. It is the most important game. Of I the know week. it's coming uh, on ESPN three at two p.m. Central in San Marcos, Texas. Uh, your boys, the New Mexico State Aggies, have to win three of their final four. Your They've boys. been a very competitive team, but they lost to Arkansas State. They lost to Arizona State. They lost to Troy. Uh, they, they, they lost these close games, Appalachian State, Arkansas, for that matter. Uh, they need to win three out of four against Texas State on the road, UL Lafayette on the road, Idaho at home, South Alabama at home. So they can do it. Keep the faith, but they need to, uh, they need to win in San Marcos on Saturday. Um, all right, Bill. Announcement. Announcement. I, this is my last show. Not forever. Not forever. Um, I am leaving the show for what we think will be at least three weeks worth of shows. Um, I can't talk about what I'm doing. I know that a bunch of our listeners joke about that. (laughs) It's actually very funny um, because not everything that I work on gets to get published or not everything I work on is published within the same time frame. So for those of you who are always saying, and then Godfrey said he couldn't talk about it, this is definitely one of those moments. Um, However, of the things that I can't talk about until they happen, this is by far the biggest, um, strangest one that I've ever had um, the privilege of working on. This will be a... um, So I should back up. I'm not going to be on the show. Um, I'm not leaving SP Nation. I'm not not I'm not even leaving this podcast as a co-host or anything like that. Although uh, Bill and I have joked that so Bill edits the podcast and he uploads a podcast, so Bill can never miss the podcast because if Bill misses the podcast, we actually do just take time off because I don't know how to do those things. 
Um, it really solidifies the personality dynamic of this of this show, um, as if it needed that. But I will be gone for three, probably three and a half weeks worth of PAPN content. So that includes the Sundays and the Wednesdays. Um, in my absence, Bill is going to rotate the chair. Is that right? You're not going to. It's not just going to be one person. I left it up to Bill because he's the one who has to deal with that. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to just listen to me for like 75 minutes at a time. So I will. Be no, I meant like you're not going to have the same. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll rotate at least a little bit here. Yeah. So there'll be some people you may not have heard before. It'll be some people that work at SB Nation. Um, all college football people of some some ilk. Um, I. Uh, I can't say anything uh, other than I'm about to go do something kind of crazy, and um, it's unexpected. It is literally the worst time for me, not necessarily really, really to leave this podcast because the numbers have told Bill and I that the best – this podcast seems to be at its best on like March and <laughs> August and all the crap months because um, people – I guess we are the methadone clinic for college football in a lot of ways. So um, it's a really, really hard time as a reporter for all the stuff that we just talked about. And I mean, I think I think we probably talked about 15 percent of what's on my in my text messages right now. Uh, that's going to be really hard. But I'm going to be uh, on assignment for a while um, working on something. And I will because the because of the volatility of the project and the schedule, I will not be able to podcast. I will hopefully be able to duck in at the end of that period of time and just pick right back up as we move into what will then be conference championships and bowl selection and playoff selection and, you know, higher fire and Piesman and all that fun stuff. So I'm not, I'm not fired. I'm sorry, Mississippi state fans. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not quitting. I'm not relocating. It's none of that stuff. I'm on assignment. You're coming in, a in very New York for Piesman, right? Oh God. Yeah. Are you kidding okay. me? Good, good. Drink as much of the company's liquor as possible. <sighs> Didn't though? So the last time you and I were at a Piesman, you were like up, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at like eleven fifteen, texting me and my wife, <laughs> be like, "Gee, I'm just gonna go to Central Park if anybody well, wants yeah, to come." Yeah, we had only arranged to hang out uh, that for like lunchtime or whatever, and I got home pretty, you know, feeling pretty good after Koreatown and all that. And, and did yeah, you really though? Good enough. But you were so much drunker. Says Bill you. Connolly drunk, by the way. That needs to be a podcast. That's against the F- that's against the um is it FCC? I, yeah, it's FCC regulations to, to be on the radio drunk. There's no such thing as a law against a drunk podcast. No, you were way drunker. No, yeah, okay. Says you, you're the one who was hung over. I think I was doing okay. That's just because of my overall life. I mean, you also didn't put down. I probably put down at least a pack and a half of cigarettes that night. <laughs> yeah, I did not do that. Um, because I'm a non-smoker now. I just wait and binge them all. Um, so, yeah, I'll be back for all that fun. Um, I'm definitely not going to miss a chance to absorb some of the company's entertainment expenses. Um, uh, I love you all. Um, Bill will be here to answer your questions. I will be back, hopefully, at the peak of my powers, which is higher fire season. Um, we will glide into the off season, um, effortless, effortlessly, including the playoff and coaching conventions, spring ball, signing day, you name it. We're going to be fine. Nothing is changing on the podcast. Eventually we'll get some bumper music and a new logo. Um, that's out of our hands though. So is that, is that about cover it? Uh, Got to say it one more time. I am not leaving the podcast. I am not getting fired. I'm on assignment on something very particular that hopefully I could be able to talk about um, <laughs> months from now. 
Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. And you're full of crap about me being drunker, just for the record. You were drunker at Piesman. Do I need to poll I, people that were there? Yeah, actually, yes, yes, as a matter of fact. <laughs> now, I will I, say this. He, you sobered up. That I remember by the time we got to the Korean restaurant at 3 a.m., you had sobered up. Whereas, like, I feel like you probably are more of a drag race drunk. And when it's over, it's over. And it could be over at midnight, and you're like, I drank too much. Or like, oh, I'm drunk, whatever, and I'm good now. Like, you're, because look, you're way more mature than I am. Whereas I'm a little bit like a uh, large, you know, um, tractor trailer out of control. So it's going to take me a while to get up to 80 miles an hour. But once I do, I can drive through a building. I, I felt like I was one of, uh, there were like 15 of us at the Korean restaurant. I, I feel like I was one of about the three most in control of themselves at that point. My maybe, wife was probably number four. two. Yeah. I was as drunker than Cooter Brown, as we say in Georgia. Um, but I operate pretty well from that. From I, that, I, uh, I say I do state. too, by God, and we'll test this out. Uh, you, no, just a f- drunk robot's a fun robot, man. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It was Pisman. Right. It was good times. Pisman was very good times. Um, by the way, I'm going to say this before we leave. <laughs> I know the program's already heavy. That's fine. I'm not going to be on the program for three, yeah. and a, three, three and a half weeks. We've got a front runner, and I'm fine with having bias in my vote, right? Okay? I hate the Heisman, but I love the Piesman, and I'll play dirty pool on this, folks. As far as I'm concerned, there is Michael Dieter of Wisconsin, and then there's everybody else. And Ryan hasn't come out and done that, like – I think, what are we, two, three? We're like three weeks away from them even pulling all the candidates together. Because this is a lot of work. They have to get no, gifts yeah. and video replay. And right now it's Wisconsin's Michael Dieter, and it's the rest of the world as far as I'm concerned. So somebody's got to outplay him to get my attention. Now, I will say this. It's been very quiet from one Matt Canada, architect of <laughs> great Piesman moments. Now, they've had some things to deal with. And right now they got a thing to deal with called Alabama. Yeah. I'm just saying, does LSU have a scrub game left? Um, Let's find out real fast. The answer so if, to that is... Yes, they have two. They have two scrub games left. They have Arkansas and Tennessee. Okay. Wow, Boom. great joke there. Boom. <laughs> I was going to make the FCS reference, but this is also a team that lost to Troy. So, late in those games... LSU's at home, right, uh, for Arkansas. So let's say it's home, Arkansas at Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, because my in-laws, I won't be in Tennessee for this. My in-laws will be coming through headed to the UT game. Um, I'm I'm going to go ahead and make a bold prediction. And by the way, the wheels might fall off of A&M before November 25th. Yes. Or not. Who knows? Um, volatile football team. I'm saying late in one of those games. If LSU's up against Arkansas or A&M at home, I think Canada's going to flip through his binder. I don't think he has a binder. Maybe he got an iPad. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's all up in the noggin. I don't think those are allowed in the booth. And there's a tab. What, folders? No, iPads. <sighs> Stupid sport. He's going to flip through, and there's going to be a tab that says Piesman. <laughs> all right? That's all I'm saying. It's not insider info. It's just a the bold one prediction. Issue I have with the Dieter touchdown against Illinois the other day is it is that don't it was, speak ill of the greatness. What's your problem, Bill? It's that it's the play that won the Piesman last year. That's my one issue. It was glorious. Morning, Christmas. 
I am okay with it if he ends up winning. But it was the same. There, it, it, we didn't. Hey, we need to. But here's what's wrinkles. here's what's different. One, he celebrates. Cool. Much, yeah, like, was much like amazing. my fat, my fat, fat six month old child who's already <laughs> like 40 pounds. Um, he, he celebrates basically the same way that my fat six month old son does when he sees a bottle or a boob. Uh, just kind of kind of all four extremities moving independent of one another with a big <laughs> smile on his face. He made that awesome video with Wisconsin's um, wow. sports media, whatever team I, like they they get it. It obviously befuddles his head coach, which I think is even better, right? He's probably – I guarantee you somewhere Paul Christ is like, why did we do that? Why did we – why have we created this, right? Paul Christ. What did I say? Paul Rhodes. Oh, sorry. That, didn't, that was not Freudian. I am sorry. I am sorry. I am so damn sorry if anybody gets that. By the way, I'm looking at his Twitter account right now. Does this kid play Rocket League? What? Oh my God! Look, this kid is retweeting Rocket League's a video game, by the way. He's retweeting NBC Sports promotional material for the they televise the Rocket League championships. It's a competitive video game. For those of you who don't know, it's fantastic. You don't need to have kids; just you can play it on any system. You're a race car, and there's a giant soccer ball, and you're inside of like an arena, and you use your race car to push a soccer ball in. It is brilliant, thoughtless fun. Our buddy is retweeting NBC Sports. This guy's got it in the bag. What if he I'm, caught I'm another just, one? What if he threw for one? Yeah, throwing is the next step for for our um, for the for the evolution of Pisman. Although that might be too fast. Let's not let's not get to that level just yet. But no, I'm just saying because it was the same play as last year, it at least keeps the door open for other creative ventures. And I encourage everybody to try to top that because the celebration will make it very difficult to top that. I'm saying go Wisconsin. And I will see you all soon, I hope. In like 2020, yeah. No, no, I'll be back, I promise. All right. Uh, that's the robot Bill Connolly. You can see, uh, you can reach him at uh, SBN underscore Bill C on the Twitter. My name is Stephen Godfrey. I'll be at, at 38 Godfrey, but you won't see much of me there either for the foreseeable month. Um, that's it. Bill will be back soon, and I will be back, hopefully. I love you all. I will see you soon. Oh.